Welcome to Shop Talk with the Sheriff. I'm Sheriff Gregory Tony, your host. Uh, once again, we are here in Broward County. Today, we have another special guest as we're continuing to do our Celebrating Local Heroes uh, in honor of Women's History Month of service and the different leaders and people we have in our community. For those who have been following us so far, you probably recognize that uh, I have taken an interest to pull in so many of our different powerful community leaders who have been engaged in the community, who have been really uh, bringing towards a lot of balance and equality and justice and uplifting the community in so many different ways. And today we're honored, we are most certainly honored to have not only one of our partners, uh, but someone who I've considered a mentor and a friend uh, who have uh, introduced themselves uh, very early uh, when I came in over two years ago and have been uh, not only just a good partner in terms of community relations, but also someone who has spiritually uh, have given me some guidance. And that is the great Dr. Jermaine Smith Faw of the Urban League of Broward County. And she's smiling and laughing, <coughs> but this is a remarkable woman who have done a great deal not only for Broward County, but has impact um, different policies and reform elements on really a national scale. And so I'm just going to give you a little background before I let her uh, pop in and take some of this away. Uh, but let me talk about this. You know, for over a quarter of a century, uh, Dr. Baugh has worked within the Urban League movement and is currently the only female CEO uh, leading up this national effort here. Uh, so that in itself talks about the level of excellence that she's brought into this arena. She's been the president and CEO since 2006. Uh, she's elevated the Urban League of Broward County into a premier nonprofit uh, non dedicated to promoting social and economic advancements in underserved communities. But I'm not going to keep reading from a script. I want <laughs> uh, to let this powerful woman introduce herself and then we're going to dive into some of the remarkable work that she's been able to accomplish with her team at the Urban League. So, Doctor? Well, Sheriff Tony, I have to say that maybe I should just have you at my right hand whenever I am being introduced, because you did a really great job. I don't know too much more to add uh, to that other than um, I am a mom. I have a 17-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter. I've been married to the same guy for 25 years this year. It's a lot of transition. My son is going off to college this year and um, some really great things. So um, in addition to being at the Urban League, also May, May 5th will mark 25 years, as you shared, that I'll be at the Urban League of Broward. There's a lot of really powerful opportunities, I think, that, that lay ahead personally, professionally, for myself, for the organization, and for this community. So I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. No, it's an exciting time. So what I'd like to do is just um, for a moment, let's just assume no one has never heard of the Urban League and what that mission is comprised of. Can you take us through mm -hmm. that for a moment? Yeah, and, and actually, although it's really familiar to you, Sheriff Tony, and you know to some others, You'll be surprised at the number of folks that I've spoken to. Like, I've heard Urban League, but I'm not exactly sure what the Urban League does, right? right. So I, I would say to, to the listeners, if you are looking to make a positive change in your life and the life of your family from an economic or social perspective, Urban League needs to be on your list of a place that you can go to right now in COVID virtually, where we are open um, virtually. Um, if you are looking to buy a home, repair your credit, 
reskill or upskill for jobs, help your child uh, navigate our current educational uh, system, might need additional tutorial. Um, and if you want to open a small business or if you have a business, it doesn't even have to be small. So let's eliminate small. If you have a business, right, that you would like to open or you have one now that you think might be worthy of uh, investment uh, capital or you need technical assistance and support in helping to grow that business, you know, the Urban League is for you. So it's a really unique place uh, at the Urban League where we really desire to help families, individuals, adults, and children truly get to a real clear economic playing field that is level. Sure. Uh, and that's what we do every day. Well, you know, one of the key things uh, that I noticed when I first visit your site location was actually the strategic location of mm -hmm. where your facility is located. Can you tell us the address? And I assume there was some strategy there uh, in terms yeah. of why would it be basically in the heart of where Cistrunk lies? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm stealing your thunder, but can you talk about that? Yeah, so the address of the Urban League's physical building is 560 Northwest 27th Avenue. So actually, uh, share, for the audience, Sheriff Tony is my neighbor. That's right. Uh, so he is right up the street uh, from the Urban League, as you know, 27th Avenue and Broward for BSO. Um, and then my other neighbor is the African American Research Library and Cultural Center, another iconic uh, building uh, in Broward, in Central Broward. And then right next door also is Samuel Delaval Park. So from a strategy perspective, um, it was a long time in the making, I will say that, but being able to be on Cistrunk Boulevard, the historic area that we were able to secure that land was not only strategic for the Urban League, but I also believe very instrumental in positioning the Urban League to be responsive to community need. And that's where the strategy really came in. The idea of being a part of a campus with the library, the, the park, and of course, having you guys right up the street are just all bonuses uh, to the opportunity to, to be there. So it's really, uh, for us, a really great opportunity chance to be in an area that not only that we knew would be continue to develop and be redeveloped, mm -hmm. but really to be an answer for our community, particularly the Black community that is in central part of county. But again, we are the Urban League of Broward County. So whether folks are coming from the North, whether they're coming from the South, it also has, you know, the major thoroughfares that right. allows for really good transportation. Yeah, you know, that didn't, it wasn't lost on me. You know, every day I have to literally drive by yeah. uh, in order for me to get to my office. I got to drive by your office. And it just hit me one day. I was like, you know, what a strategic plan uh, that was, you know, really calculated to put this site location where it's at. And it benefits, mm -hmm. like you said, um, one, the location within the heart of really almost centralized in Fort Lauderdale, centralized for the county, and then right in the middle of one of our more predominantly black communities that we have here in Broward County. And you and I know uh, that there's oftentimes that the black, black and brown communities are left outside of consideration when it comes to development and ensuring that accessibility to the resources you offer um, you know, are readily available. So that was, uh, that was brilliant. You know, CEO to CEO. <clears throat> yes. What is it that you would say 
in, in all that you've accomplished is like one of your most proud moments of being able to make decisions uh, or having made a decision at the Urban League? Because, I, you know, I have my little list I've been jotting along over the last two years. Like, man, that was a, I was able to do this and that changed like 100,000 lives. No one knows it yet, but yeah. you're touching so many different things. And I know that's a tough question because you've done a lot, but any one or two you could share with us? have to take a page out of your book, Sheriff Tony, and start making that list because I've never done that. I, I, I That might actually be a really good journaling uh, for me to do because I like to journal. Uh, I'll tell you this. When I chose... Oh, I see it. You've got to journal too. <laughs> it's, it's helpful. It's helpful. Sure. Because you, you, to your point, CEO to CEO, you have... You get up every day and you do this and other people look from the outside in and they're like, wow, that was great. That was awesome. Or they critique you. That wasn't so great. That wasn't so awesome. But the, the idea of the fact that we get up to do this, right? I often say to people, I'll tell you this, um, I want the devil to be absolutely afraid when my feet hit the ground in the morning. Amen. They should shudder. Because something is about to happen. It may not always work out in my favor, but I believe that all things work together for good um, in my personal uh, belief and, and spiritual belief system. But directly to answer your question in terms of things that I look to in my last 25 years at the Urban League, um, beyond the obvious of touching people's lives and, and understanding that, no doubt being able to construct the Community Empowerment Center was monumental. It changed the conversation for the Urban League. Mm -hmm. Once you control space, right, where you don't have to borrow space from anyone, you don't have to beg people, like, can I stay here a little longer, so forth and so on. We can have community conversations until midnight if we want, right? It, when we decided to do the first walk-up testing site in, in, yes. in Florida, which we didn't know that that's what we were doing. We were just responding to what we felt was a community need. Your officers, along with the National Guard, you know, supported you know, that effort. That's the kind of opportunities. That's the kind of game-changing acts you can do when you control your assets, right? So whether we're controlling assets related to physical assets like the Urban League building, I think that is definitely something for years to come, I'll be able to, you know, pass it and be like, yeah, I was a part of that, right? Particularly building it at a time where everybody told me, no, that we probably shouldn't. I think the second thing that I'm proud of, but I think it's still yet to be manifested in its full, is the Urban League in July of 2020 was uh, selected as certified, I should say, by the U.S. Department of Treasury as a community development financial institution. Now, many people That's a huge accomplishment. I do. That's a huge yeah. accomplishment. Huge. It was five years in the making. So one of the things I'll tell you, you know, keep going, regardless of pe what people say to you. But that CDFI, that's the acronym for it, is game-changing for the Urban League because not only are we have the opportunity to control assets like a physical building like the Urban League, 
but as entities, financial institutions, foundations, anchor institutions invest in a CDFI, capital money, we're able to loan that money to other businesses, and particularly in our case, minority businesses, black and brown women-owned businesses get access to those resources along with technical assistance um, and support. So that designation, we worked on it for five years, Sheriff Tony, to get there. It was a long haul. And, and you're hitting two really core areas. Um, I just wanted to interject in there for the listeners yeah. who are just popping in. You already talked about the uh, influence and power that comes with owning your own property, owning your own facility, picking the time and dates and the type of events that and things that you want to influence or support. Uh, that's one. And then now with this certification, you also have the financial aspect that's giving you a little bit more liberation to do things and invest in the support. Those are two power plays that um, most successful CEOs and businesses across America dominate, uh, but they're yeah. not really led up through black and brown people. And so here's an accomplishment that, again, I can go through your resume. We probably spent four days on here talking about <laughs> some of the success that you've done, but that's just one item that has an enormous impact on Broward County. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, you know, like you said, when, when you control influence, then you are able to do that for other folks, right? So an example, just very quickly, is because uh, we just recently got a half a million dollar investment from Wells Fargo, recently announced. That half a million dollar investment and there are other investors coming on board now we were able to uh, approve a loan for a business that's going to be down the street from us, uh, Sheriff Tony, that is a business owned by two Black women in the heart of Broward County in Central Broward, right? We leveraged our resources with another national CDFI to bring some healthy eating choices to the central part of the county. I mean, I love, you know, some McDonald's French fries every so often. <laughs> the can't be eating that all the time. <laughs> no. so, so again, once you control the assets, once you control the flow or at least influence it, I know we're not talking big money on our side, but for that one company and for the many others that will follow, it changes. It changes something for them, for the community, and for everyone who will be employed there. So Again, that ripple effect that both you and I know. You know, you alluded to the importance of health uh, in, in one of your statements and by bringing these healthy food groups in here. You know, let's talk a little bit about the health issues that we've been all facing with COVID-19 and the impact it's been having on Broward County. How has it uh, impacted your mission and your staff? Definitely. I mean, we, if you think about it, uh, we are, as you mentioned, Women's History Month. Two weeks from now, our a year ago, two weeks from now, we had, you know, our whole lives changed, right? Mm -hmm. Every we were living in ignorant bliss around this time last year. That's right. Right. Still walking around, hugging on people, talking to people, hanging out at the beach. beach. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know. While somewhere else in the world, folks are like, I think something is happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but something is happening. But we were still moving forward. And I would say very honestly and directly, Sheriff Tony, I definitely 
respect, mourn the loss of life that has occurred across the world globally within the United States, within Florida, and clearly in our own region here. And I mourn with those families. And I also realize that this pandemic opened up opportunities for us to see life differently. And for that reason, I hope our eyes are never closed, never closed again, because the pandemic almost did in one, in months, right? One year, what we talk about for decades upon decades, the idea of leveling the playing field, everybody knew, or many more people, I should say, knew what it was like have to be in a food line not because you want to be there but you didn't have a choice but to you're right? deep doc you're, you're deep you're, 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 you're hitting some deep stuff here and you're spot on because um you know we are deeply involved in that in terms of yeah. the food distributions and we, we're out at every site location providing security um and we've helped issue out with many partners millions and millions of pounds of food and when I've gone out there and packed some of these boxes and loaded up cars, um, traditionally, in my personal experience, growing up in Philadelphia, growing up in the inner cities, it was always black and brown people that were looking for support in food. But this mm-hmm. was different. Mm-hmm. If you Got name it. It, it, black, white, Hispanic, Jew, Gentile, Christian, Muslim, gay, straight, everybody mm-hmm. were in these lines. And I think that's what you're saying. Like It was leveling out that, hey, we all are very much vulnerable to suffering equally. And if we can recognize and do all the uh, food strategies, we'll stay on that scenario. Uh, during this time of the year, why can't we do it every year or without a virus if we know this is, is a core issue? So um, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. uh, we're sharing the same sentiments and insight on that because we're yeah. both deeply involved in this. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it with that one. Because I think if if we could open our eyes human humanistically, right, to the struggles of food insecurity, to the struggle that you know your home at one point, we'll just do this one one point the food, and then your home. Your Mm -hmm. home was the place that you slept, right? Then for most people, they got up and then they went into work. The kids went to school and then we all came back into the home, whatever that might look like for the majority of us. But when your home last year became the school, the workplace, your, you know, the lunchroom, cafeteria, when your kids came out looking the at gym, you. Be t- yeah, the gym. Yeah, the gym. Uh, it became everything for you. you. You say to yourself, we would say to ourselves, but what about those individuals who may have a home, but the home, at the, the escape from the home was actually was the, school. the solace. All right. Was the school, was the work, was the gym, exactly. was all no, these things. Right. When you think about the challenges, so I think what we've tried to talk about for so long just leveled out so quickly because people understood dialogue, dialogues about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. They understood dialogues about mental health. They understood dialogue related to um, 
more food insecurities um, related to children in particular. They understood the challenges of educating children when you may of yourself not have that education to help with that algebra. Like people don't come to That's me right. in my house about math. That's not what <laughs> Dr. G does. It's not what you do. <laughs> They're not coming to my house for it either. So don't worry about it. <laughs> but again, I think those kinds of opportunities and what we have done at the Urban League is use this enlightenment to have a different kind of conversation with investors, with donors, with philanthropists to say, we can no longer segment families at our convenience. They come to us as whole beings and we need to work with, with families, not for them, not to them, but with them holistically. So if the Ba family shows up, as it relates to, um, I want to purchase a home. Okay, great. We could do that. Tell me about your job. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your home, whatever it might be, so that we are working holistically. Because what we saw, Sheriff Tony, what we already knew anecdotally is that we have little resiliency in our, in our community, in our families, in our businesses. And what I'm prayerful about and where we are even more like radical about how are we building economic and social resilience for urban league families? Wow. When the next pandemic hits, I need them to be bouncing back a little faster, a little bit more intentional, but they can't be laid out like they laid out on the map. We That's can't right. do that. That's right. Well, look, you know, one other thing I want to touch on and I have to give you an opportunity is to talk about your personal story. Like we, we heard about your professional accomplishments and what you've been able to establish in your realm. But let's talk about your personal life. Where are you from? How did you arrive where you um, have arrived? Because that's just as important, in my opinion, more important uh, because it's the fuel behind what's, what's kept you going for so long. Absolutely. I agree with you. It's actually more important because as we all know, these titles can come and go. Yep. Uh, you can, I say to people all the time, I can have an Urban League board meeting where I walk in as the Urban League board, um, uh, Urban League president and CEO, and I can walk out not being the Urban League president and CEO. But one thing I will still be is a mother of two children, a wife of a really cool guy. Um, a daughter, the last of five children. Uh, my, my parents still live in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. That's where I'm from. Uh, so all those other titles that don't come and go by the frivolousness of whomever sits where they sit are really, you know, important, you know, to me. So I would tell you that in my, my personal um, side, I would tell you, but for the grace of God, I sit here. I, I'm very, very clear about the impact of, of faith. And just to be very clear for me, I, I am a Christian. I have a Christian spiritual base. And that is what guides me, um, particularly in storms that gets me, you know, to my true north. And for me, it's always about never forgetting that little germane in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. You know, that despite the access that I might have now, despite, you know, even when we talked about the walk-up testing site, what I said to, to the governor's office, to the Department of Health and, and others, 
when I was advocating for the concept of it, I wasn't advocating for it because I read it somewhere. I advocated for it because I would have been that family, right? Yeah, there are a couple of cars in the driveway now, but growing up, there were zero cars in the driveway. So where would my family go to get that test back in the day? So I think anytime we leave our lived experience behind, even in the highs and in the lows, we miss the opportunity to truly serve because it is through those experiences that we bring that to the proverbial table. And that allows us to really, I think, lead in a more effective, effective manner. Well, listen, I, I 1000% agree with that. Uh, as you know, I'm a God friend, man. I'm a Christian. I've, we've been in church together. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I tell you, you're, it's been everything that you said for me. I have never once forgotten um, about what I had to endure and where I grew up. And, and again, um, five of us crammed into roughly 600 square feet and gun violence and drugs. But by not forgetting, it has allowed me to make very um, humanistic decisions as a chief law enforcement officer in this county, which impact a lot more lives uh, compared to if I was just focused on uh, being the administrator and not relying on personal experiences to uh, sensitize me to say, wait a minute, you've been there, you know what it's like. You know how difficult it is. And in a lot of the past two years of decision-making uh, that I had to make, I, there has been very probably zero decisions that I've made where I have not said, okay, how would you have felt if this was you? And what can you do to better this for the ne- next person because of your own experiences? So, look, I, I appreciate you sharing so much with us today and taking some time to, to give us a little bit of the personal uh, side, because uh, again, we both agree on it. I think that's fundamentally more important than anything else. So for those who are joining us late, uh, I, I apologize we didn't get a chance to break and give you a reminder to tell you that we are on the air today with Dr. Jermaine Smith-Baugh of the Urban League of Broward County, uh, who is our special guest today. We were honored to have her on for 20 plus minutes talking about the historic and uh, tremendous work that the Urban League is doing and what she's been able to accomplish as a CEO uh, I look forward to continuing to work with you. Uh, I you. wish you nothing more but uh, success. And I'm certain, you know, every day I have to drive by your office soon. We'll be having a cup of coffee um, as COVID. We're kind of getting our hands around it. But, again, ma'am, thank you for joining us today. It, what a great honor. Thank you so Thank you so much, Sheriff Tony. I definitely appreciate the opportunity to share with you Um I wish you so well in your next tenure, your next term here. And I do believe, you know, what makes us most powerful in Broward is building the authentic relationships before crisis so they can be activated in crisis. And I think that that's what you and I have experienced. And I look forward to working with you and your team uh, to continue to empower communities and change lives here in Broward. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you for joining me on Shop Talk with the Sheriff. Remember, you can follow me on Instagram at BSO Sheriff Tony. It's not a stunt double. It's me. Uh, Also, subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the alerts on every new episode. So stay safe, be humble, and love somebody a little bit more than you love yourself. Sheriff Tony signing off.